Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning. How are we doing today? We good? I can tell it's rainy outside and a little bit sleepy and, uh, you know, all day long. I've had people, oh, man, the weather today, the weather today. Well, it's a Sunday. That's what the weather does on Sundays here in Georgia. So, uh, hey, we're glad you're here. Happy Mother's Day to you. And let me just say right up front, you, you, it's already been said a couple of times, it's Happy Mother's Day. Uh, but I recognize on a day like today that, uh, you know, it carries with it some varying emotions. Some of you, perhaps, this is the, your very first Mother's Day as a mom, so congratulations to you. We're excited for you, thankful to kind of get the opportunity to walk this journey with you, so we're excited about that. Uh, others of you, maybe, maybe this is a little bit of a sad day for you or, or an anxious day because motherhood is something you desire, and that's not a part of the reality of your life yet, and so you're really worried about that or you're thinking about that or processing emotions. And so we understand that. We, we know some of you, you know, maybe, maybe your mom's still living, but there's a little bit of a rift in the relationship. And, and so maybe you, you're a little bit sad about that. Or perhaps like me, maybe your mom's not still living. And so it carries with it a weight and a sadness there. And so we know there's a wide range of emotions on this day. And yet we just embrace that Mother's Day is something for all of us to walk through and experience and really to serve as either a celebration or a reminder to really embrace those that are around us and to kind of hold tighter those that are close to us. And so we do say Happy Mother's Day to all of you, especially if you are a mom in the room, and we recognize that today is a day that you should be celebrated. Mothers are a special, special group. I'm excited to have the mother of my children on stage here with me, Corey. Uh, but here's what I know about mothers. I experienced this as a child, and then I've experienced it again as a husband watching Corey as she mothers our children. Mothers are like low-level superheroes. Here's what I believe yeah. about motherhood. Um, they can see things like behind them. I don't even know. Our kids are convinced that there are hidden cameras in the house. Corey has kind of, you know, told them that that's true. No, no, no. She just, she sees things and hears things. And they're like, how did you even know? She's like, moms, no. Moms just know. They know. Um, here, here's the other thing about the superpowers of mothers. And, and again, I experienced this as a child and I've watched Corey distribute this superpower that she has. If I had a superpower, I would want it to be flight. I would want to be able to fly. Uh, but mothers, evidently, what they've embraced, their superpower, is that they have supernatural saliva. Like, they can take their thumb kind of gross. <laughs> and just do that, and they can get off any man-made substance right off the cheek of a child. They don't even have to use a fingernail to scrape it off. It's like their saliva breaks it down at a chemical level. I'm not really sure how that works, but like, superpowers there. Here's the other superpower that I, I think moms have. This one, I got to be honest, is a little bit annoying to all of the men in the room. Um, they have the ability to find things that we can't find. I got a couple amens from some men right there. I know. That's okay. Listen, I'll give you a great example. Yesterday in our house, we had a couple of sports games. And so everybody had their stuff except Tucker, who told us this morning he will be 10 in seven days. Uh, so Tucker loses stuff pretty much as regularly as he breathes. Uh, and so yesterday morning, we're looking for his uniform. He's got all the pieces of his uniform except the jersey. But that's an important part because it tells the people what team you play for and who you are. But he was like, I don't think I need it. I'm like, you need it. Let's find the jersey. So he was like, well, I took it off last time I played, and I put it in the dirty clothes. And I'm like, well, I don't think you did because all the rest of it's been washed. You have it. You don't have that. I think that's on you. That's not on mom. That's not on me. That's on you. So he's like, okay, I'll look. I'll look. So he's looking. He's like, dad, I can't find it. I'm like, all right, well, then I'll help you. Now, some on this stage accused me of man-looking. 
You know what that is? You just kind of come in and you look about four feet off the ground and you just kind of purvey it side to side and you're like, it ain't in here. It's not here. I did not man look, I'll have you know. I, I actually dug through stuff and moved things around. And I mean, we picked up his bed at one point. Like, did it, did it crawl underneath your bed? I, I don't, like, we were looking. We could not find it. So finally, Tucker, he knows how to find things. He went to his mother. He was like, Mom, we can't find my jersey. I'm going to be late to the game. Coach Rick's going to be mad. Amen. Yeah, Coach Rick's <laughs> over here. She was like, Coach Rick's going to be mad. And I was like, well, okay. So she says, I'll find it. She, she walks into a room I had been in for like 10 minutes. Five seconds. Was it five seconds? Maybe. Did it take you five seconds? Maybe. She walks in. She's like, I got it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I don't even know why I'm telling this story. It has nothing to do I with Mother's Day. I think you just Day. needed to vent. I needed to get it here, off. Here, though, is it was exactly where I told him it would be. Like they, Listen, they were searching under beds. And don't I be said, arrogant. It's clean in the laundry room. If you'll just look there. I did. It's not there. It was there. Pride comes before the fall. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. No. Oh. But happy Mother's Day to all of happy you. Happy Mother's um, Day. Again, just, just pray for us. Just stretch your hands this way and pray for us. We're, we're excited to talk about Mother's Day. And you might think, well, you know, what, what are we going to do on Mother's Day? We're going to continue in a series that we started a couple weeks ago called You Ask For It. And really this entire series has, has come from you. You, you generated the questions or the topics. Some of you, you filled out a survey on Easter Sunday. We had several hundred of those surveys filled out on, on Easter weekend. And, uh, and so two weeks ago, what we started is we started this series looking at the idea of the Bible. How do you know the Bible is real? How do you know it's credible? How do you know it's God's word? If we talk about it as God's word, how, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so we talked about that last week. We talked about God's will. People were asking questions and had submitted questions that are utilized the survey there to say, hey, what is God's will? How do I know God's plan for my life? What do I do if I think this is God's plan, but I'm doing something different and I've missed it? And how do you get back? Can you get back? Can you, can you do anything about it? And so we talked about that. And so I, I would encourage you, if you weren't here, to go back and listen to those podcast episodes on our website or, or your kind of podcasting channel uh, that you enjoy. Or maybe share that with somebody that you think uh, needs to hear one of those messages. And today, we're going to continue in this series rather than just kind of stop the series and do something separate. Because out of the survey on Easter weekend, the second most requested topic, out of, all, again, hundreds and hundreds of surveys, the second most requested topic was how do you raise kids in today's culture? How do you raise children in today's culture? And I recognize some of you are like, well, I'm not raising kids. I don't have kids. Well, I think these will be some good principles for you to maybe take into the next season of your life if that's a part of, of, of your desires. Maybe some of you say, hey, my kids are older. I, I don't think I need this. My job's done. Like, I, I, I got them out of the house as quick as I could. I still think these principles are some things that you can apply to your life. And, and, and for all of us today, I think even if you're not a parent, I think some of these principles will help just in the, in the people that God, of the next generation, the people that God has put into your sphere of influence. So we're really going to talk today about how to raise kids in today's culture. And we're going we're gonna to do what we've done in the last two weeks. There's a, a phone number there on the bottom of the screen. So as we're talking today, if you have questions that come up and you say, hey, I'd love for you to answer this as time allows at the end of the message today, we'll try to answer as many of those as we have time for. Uh, it's, it's confidential. It's anonymous. You're texting into an app and all we get there is the questions. So if you text in a question, don't be afraid. We're going to be like, oh my God, I cannot believe that he asked that question. We're not judging you. The Lord judges you. We're not judging. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So ask away, and we'd love to uh, have the opportunity to answer those. Uh, on your way out today, if you are just a mom or a, a dad or you're, you're a married couple, we'd love to give you a free gift. It's out in the lobby for you to pick up one for every family today, no matter where you are in life. We'd love to just give that to you. Here, here's what we know about parenting. 
there are no experts in parenting. Um, we are not positioning ourselves today as experts. Um, th there really are no experts because just about the time that you're an expert in how to parent children today, you don't know how to parent the children of tomorrow, right? Uh, because things change and issues change and, and, and the realities of life and the problems and the temptations. And there, there are some similarities that kind of bridge the gap, obviously, because we fight one single enemy and he's only got three or four tricks. That's what I, I say all the time. But, but for us, we recognize like there are no experts. And here's what my dad said to us in the hospital room right after we, and I say we, had our first child. She, she did the heavy lifting, but I was there. I was involved. Uh, and so when we had Cooper, who's our oldest, my dad said in the hospital room right there, he said, hey, there's no manual for this. Like, there, there's just, I would love to be able in this moment to hand you the manual, like the secret handbook for parenting. There, there is no manual for this. The other day, I posted something on social media about uh, one of our kids, and my dad commented, and he's like, hey, as I've told you before, there is no manual. And he's right. There's no, there's no like, single book that you can go to that give you all the step-by-steps. Here's what you do when your child's one and two and five and ten and thirty and fifty, like that. There's no manual for that. But we are today going to do what we've done all series long. We're going to go to that to the manual, the handbook that we have, God's Word, and we're going to really pull truths from that because we believe this is not just our opinion. We're not telling you we've gotten it right. Some of you, you're walking seasons and stages way ahead of even where we're at in parenting, but we want to go to God's Word to really find some guiding principles for parenting. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Proverbs 22, 6. If not, the verse will be on the screen, and it says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, thank you, Jesus, for all the details, right? <laughs> like, train up a child. Okay, well, where should, how do I train them up? What do I do? There's not a ton of examples in Scripture of what it actually looks like to train up a child, what God actually means. And then you come to a verse that is so good. Jesus in the New Testament was asked, you gave us all of these commandments, you gave us all of these, these rules in which to live by, but if you had to sum it up, if you had to tell us what is the greatest commandment, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's not all-encompassing in Scripture about what we should do to train up a child, except for the fact that God gave us what he says is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, everything that you are, love God. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we are raising children and we're, we're thinking about what does it mean to train them up? Which way should we train them up at, in? I think that God has given us the only thing that we need as parents, and it is this. We are unashamedly supposed to teach our kids what it looks like to love God, yeah. to pursue God, what it looks like to love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all your soul, everything that you are, teach your kids to love God. And then to teach them how to love their neighbor as themselves, how to love their sibling, how to love you, how to love the people that they go to school with, how to love the people on their ball team, how to love and love well. So it says train up a child in the way she should go or the way he should go, and when he's old he won't depart from it. 
The training is simple. It's to teach them to love God and love their neighbor. Yeah, and I think some of us should go, okay, well, yeah, but like, what are the practical things? Love God and love other people, right? I mean, everything really stems from that. If the guiding principles of our lives and then the guiding principles of our parenting stem from this idea that we love God with everything that we are, and then we love our neighbors as ourselves, like that's a principle that can transfer into just about every situation. We talked last week about the idea of God's will for our life is that we would become conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, that more and more in every circumstance of life, we reflect the character and nature of God in the way that we live. It's the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do in this situation? And once I feel like I have a better understanding of what Jesus would do, I know what I should do in these moments. Well, the same is true in our parenting. We're impressing upon our children that with everything that they are, they love God. Wouldn't it have been awesome right there if Jesus would have said, hey, the first commandment is this, to the very best of your ability, love God a lot. And love God with most of your mind when you're not thinking about other stuff. And love God with, you know, a lot of your strength when, you know, when you're really strong and, and not weak on certain days. And love God with, with, you know, most of your heart when you haven't given it away to other things. That's not what he said. It means that he is constantly pushing us to pursue more in relationship with him. I, I, again, I don't want to answer for you. I'll just answer for me. There's always more in my life. If I'm called to love God with all of my heart and all of my mind and all of my soul and all of my strength and some of the other gospel accounts, like, then there's always more that I can do to give God more of who I am. And so as I teach my children, hey, love God with all of your life and everything that you are, then it helps me to continue to show them that, like, you never arrive in relationship with God. You're constantly pursuing more and more of God in your life and then love your neighbor as yourself like what an incredible cha challenge to teach children that they're supposed to love other people as much as they love themselves because i just remember when my kids were very very small and they had a toy that they loved and one of their siblings or a friend in school wanted to play with that toy what would they say mine right it's not i, I don't share i don't love you i don't care where you spend eternity this is my toy and i'm not playing with you right what you have to do is you have to teach your children to share. And my kids are older now. It's not about playing toys, but it's about how to get along when they're playing sports together or, or now they're the size they can share clothes. And so it is still the same principle in some of their lives. And so we recognize that we're teaching them to love God with everything that they are, which is a lifelong process, and to love their neighbor as themselves. So what do you do when they get it wrong, right? What do you do when your kids just miss the mark? From any age, really, really young to really, really old. Like, what do you do? I think a part of the responsibility of parents, especially when your kids are still living at home, but maybe even a little bit beyond that, is to help bring some discipline to their lives. Now, that can look like a lot of different things. When they're younger, maybe, maybe you, you take something away from them for a season. Maybe you ground them. Maybe you believe in some type of physical punishment. Whatever those things are, here's what I'm saying to you. It is our responsibility as parents to discipline. You don't believe me? Let's go to God's word. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 3. This is what it says. They're going to throw it up on the screen for you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, the son he delights in. This is a part of a larger context. But saying here that, that the Lord disciplines those that he loves, and it's equating that with a father who loves or delights in his son. And so if you delight in your children, if you love your children, then you don't withhold discipline from them because the discipline is an expression of love that you're helping to do something in their lives. And I said this in the first service, and maybe it comes across very harsh, and I don't mean it to, but I want to say it. 
If you enjoy the discipline part, you may need to go talk to somebody. Like, again, I don't even mean it funny. They giggled in the first service, too. I don't even mean it funny. Like, if that's something that you enjoy, I really enjoy the discipline part. I would say, like, you may be missing that other part of the, the love of God. Even as he disciplines us, he, he gives to us his love and his grace as he brings truth into our lives. And so for all of us, there is this constant tension and this constant balance as parents to make sure that we're disciplining. We're, we're obviously, because of our stage of life, we're connected to a lot of parents with kids who have similar uh, ages of our kids. And so whether it's on the sports field or whether it's at school or whatever, we hear, and in counseling sessions sometimes, we hear things like, I just, I just, I don't want to discipline my kids so much that I push them away. Or, or we watch as they, they seem timid or they seem afraid to bring discipline or correction to their children. And here's what I would say. As long as your children know that you love them, if the underlying truth in your relationship is that they know that you love them and they know that you want the best for them, then the discipline comes out of that very naturally. And here's the other piece. Are we disciplining in such a way that it propels them forward? We had a kind of a mentor in our lives, a wise person in our lives, very, very early in our parenting who said this. They said, you are not disciplining them to address bad behavior. You are bringing discipline to create future correct behavior. Ultimately, we're not just saying, you did wrong. You did wrong. What we're saying is, we don't behave that way. We want you to behave a different way. We want to bring correction in your life and not just discipline so that there is correcting of the behavior so that it reflects more and more your love for God and your love for other people. That's not how we behave. And so we bring discipline and we bring correction into your life. Look at this in Hebrews. This is another piece of this discipline uh, puzzle that relates to how God interacts with us. Look at this. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What did you say? It said train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Well, if we're not bringing discipline as a part of the training process, we're not trying to just bring about a harvest of righteousness and peace in their life, then we're missing part of our responsibility as parents. I, I know when you look at me, you don't see this, but, but I, I trained a couple years ago for a 5K. Some of you are like, I don't train for 5Ks. I just run them before breakfast. Well, I don't, okay? Um, it took me a, a long time to kind of prepare myself and prepare my body. And there were certain days in that training process where I was running a longer distance to prepare to run an even longer distance. And at the end of that, like I was sore. The next day I was like, I don't think I should be this sore from running such a short distance. I, I, I am sore. I felt like I was in better shape, but there was a training that was going on that wasn't pleasant in the moment. It was actually a little bit painful, but it was producing the endurance and the capacity in me to accomplish something else down the road. And so in the discipline of our children, what we have to understand is that we're not just bringing discipline because something bad happened. We are actually trying to produce future behavior that reflects the values that we have talked about for our lives, for their lives, for our home, for our family. And I recognize that for all of us, Maybe we go, well, I, you know, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to respond to my kids when they do. I don't want to push them away. You got to make sure your heart's in the right place. There have been moments, I will admit on this stage, there have been moments that I have disciplined my kids and I've come back to my kids a few minutes or a few hours later and apologized to them 
Not because the, the, the need for correction wasn't there, but because I did it out of emotion and I only responded to the negative behavior and I did not bring the correction to work on the future behavior. I said, hey, the emotion got the best of me. I was frustrated. I was upset. I didn't talk about what was happening. I didn't, you know, I remember when my parents, when I was younger, my parents would punish me and they would say that God awful statement, this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you, <laughs> right? I thought, you're a liar. But I didn't say that because that would have brought about more punishment. So I was smart and I tamed my tongue. But I understand as a parent now, when it's in the right heart, when my punishment and my discipline for my children is in the right heart and the right spirit, it really does hurt me. It really, I don't want to take something away from my kids that they enjoy. I, I, I don't want to bring punishment into their lives. But I recognize that if I don't address it now, it becomes something bigger down the road. And so I have to exercise my responsibility as a parent and, and here's what I know, too. I want to protect my kids from anything that they would face that would bring them harm or hurt. But so much of what I know about myself and so much of what I know about God, I learned by walking through some things and receiving correction, and receiving some punishment, walking through those seasons and understanding what it looks like to live in ways that honor God, love God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, all of my mind, and love my neighbor as myself. And when I have that right relationship with my parents, I understood their heart and discipline. Then I received that and I learned from it and I grew from that. It is not my responsibility to isolate my kids from anything that they would ever experience. I, I sometimes have to do like I did when I taught them to ride a bike. You know, maybe this makes me a terrible parent, but even when they were saying, dad, don't let go, don't let go, don't let go. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I let go. Right. Maybe that makes me a terrible person, but I knew if I keep holding on to the bike, like they're never going to learn how to ride it by themselves. And I'm going to be really tired later. Right? So eventually, i got to let go of the seat and let them ride. And I'm doing it in safe places. We're not doing it going down 575, right? <laughs> like, there's nobody going to come and just hit. Like, we're not going to fall. No, no, no. I'm, I'm doing it in safe places in the sidewalk, in the driveway, in the parking lot where nobody's. Like, we're doing it in safe places so they can learn how to fall and how to get back up. And so I'm walking with them in life. I'm not called to isolate my kids from everything that's going on in the world because here's what happens. Eventually they leave the safety of my relationship and they've still got to experience that and they don't know how to cope with those things. So I can't isolate them. I've got to insulate them. I've got to provide a buffer around them that says, hey, as you walk through these circumstances, there's going to be some things that don't line up with our core values that some of your friends say, some of your friends believe. You're going to see things, hear things, experience things. And so let me help you process those things through the filter of who we are, who you are, who God's called you to be, so that when you leave the safety and comfort of my home, that you know how to cope with those things, you know how to respond to those things, you know what things we stand for and what things we don't. I don't isolate my kids. I don't cause them to live in a bubble. I insulate those kids and I become their buffer and then more and more I back off to allow them to experience more and more freedom, more and more choice so that they know how to cope with those things on their own. Because here's what I know. It doesn't matter how much I talk to my kids about what we value. It doesn't matter how much I tell my kids, this is what we believe, this is what we believe. It's more caught than taught. What they watch me do, what they watch Corey do, what they watch us do, how we interact with others, what the things that we choose to do and to prioritize in our life, those are the things that our kids are eventually going to do because they see what we're doing rather than just hear what we say we want to do. So we've spoken a lot about our kids, and I guess we should tell you for those that are new in the room, we have four of them. We have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, one that will be 10 in seven days, he reminded us this morning, and we have a seven-year-old who will be eight on Jeremy's birthday. They were born on the same Best day. Best birthday present I ever got, and then I lost my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but they are wonderful children, and uh, we are very thankful for them. But we are often asked in this parenting thing, like, how do you know what to prioritize? That's probably the number one question yeah. that we get. Like, how do you know what to focus on? How do you prioritize life? How do you prioritize discipline? And, and all of these things. And so over the years, Jeremy and I have talked a lot about it. We make parenting a priority in our home, so it's something we actually talk about a good bit, how we're going to do it, what we believe, what we think, and those kind of things. And so years ago, we came up with a, a saying, the kids were really little, and we decided this, and we say it often, if we make everything a big deal, then nothing's a big deal. Yeah. If you make everything a big deal in your home, then nothing's a big deal. And what I mean is if I make spilling the milk in the living room as big as telling a lie, then eventually my kids aren't going to know what we really prioritize in our home. That's right. So if we make everything a big deal, then nothing's a big deal. So we have decided that we're going to, there are a few things that are like non-negotiables in our home, if you will, or the big deal things, the things that are just big deals. If you were to walk into my home on any given Wednesday, you might see, I should tell you the three oldest are boys, you might see them bouncing a basketball or playing lacrosse in the living room. Yeah. And it's chaos. But I don't discipline that the same I discipline the fact that they may have told me something that wasn't true. I say take your ball outside, we respect our things, but it doesn't get the same emphasis as if they tell me something that's not true. So the other day we were sitting around the table and I said, guys, let's, I've, got a, I've got a fun game. I don't know that our kids kind of know that if we make everything a big deal, then nothing's a big deal. They don't know that mantra of our home. That's between me and Jeremy. But I wanted to see, like, are we doing a good job? So around the table I said to them, I've got a question for you. What do you think are big deals in our home? Like, what would you get in trouble for? What do we really put a lot of emphasis on? And here were some of the things that our kids said. They said, to tell the truth. And that is true. Perhaps the greatest sin in our home is to tell a lie. Right. It infuriates me, and I dare tell you that the punishment for telling me a lie is going to be so much greater right. than the actual act itself. And I think that my kids... It's nearly life in prison. It really, it really is. Really I hate is. it so much. <laughs> I hate it so much. Uh, respect to others. Kinley the other day came home and was telling us a story that she has started a kindness club at school because she doesn't like that other people talk about other people when they can't, when that person isn't around. And she's seven. And I thought, oh, Lord, thank you for giving us wisdom in parenting her that she understands that we respect others. We expect them to respect us and talk to us in a way that is kind. We expect them to respect each other, so they said to respect others. And then the last one was this, and I loved it so much. It says, we love God, and we love the church. In our home, we don't love God corporately. We do. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We love God as a family. But to the very best of our ability, we don't always get it right. But we try to teach our kids that, that God desires a personal relationship with them. Yeah. That they, they get to have a personal relationship relationship with Jesus. Yes, we love God as a family, but it's important for them to love God individually. And so there's often times that if they do something or they've talked ugly, I'll, I'll say to them, that's a hard issue, guys. 
When was the last time you read your Bible? Do you know what the Bible says about speaking to each other that way and why we don't do it? I think it's so important for the kids to know in your home, if you have kids in your home and even adult children, why we do what we do. Why we don't talk the way that we don't talk. Why we don't say the things we don't say or do the things that we don't do. And so I often will refer to them to the Bible and say, that's a hard issue. We don't talk to each other that way. We treat each other with respect. We have a personal relationship. I want them to personalize their relationship with Jesus. And then the second is that we love church. It's kind of funny, but when we go on vacation, almost always Jeremy finds a church for our entire family to attend, even on vacation. I do. We go to church on vacation. And here's why. Church isn't this, like, work, this this like thing that you do on Sundays that feels like a job that you have to get up and get ready for. Church is a part of our lives. It's a priority. And so for our kids, to the best of our ability, I hope that we are instilling into them that church is something that we do and we love to do it and it doesn't feel like work and a job. So even when we're on vacation, we don't take vacation from church. We go to church because we want to be around people that love God and that are attempting to pursue God in the way we are attempting to pursue God. And to give us, as a, together as a family, a chance to worship God corporately with each other. So we love God and we love people. And that really comes out of what was modeled for us Absolutely. as we were growing up. Like that, Those are the things that really our parents instilled in us. They, they trained us up in those respects. Yeah. And I and think it's important to say, too, that you, your parents were married. Yep. And my mom was a single mom. Yeah. And I only say that to say that like, regardless of where you find yourself or the circumstance in which you have children today, it is possible to do these things. That's right. It is possible as a single mom to teach your kids how to love God and to how to prioritize church. It's possible. Yeah. And, and so often when we meet with, with couples for like premarital counseling, we'll hear them say usually one of two things. Here's what my parents did really well in their marriage, and we want to do some things like that. Or, here's some things my parents did really poorly, and we don't want to make those mistakes. Or they'll say about parenting, when we talk about, you know, do you want to have kids? Or are you thinking about, you know, parenting at some point in your marriage? Yeah, I mean, maybe, or yeah, I think so. And, you know, here's what my parents did really well in parenting, and we want to do that. Or here's what my parents, I just don't think they did this well, and we want, we want to avoid those mistakes. Whatever the context is, they're saying, hey, this is what my parents trained me. They train me to do them or they train me not to do them. I see the results. I see the outcome. And so I want to model after these things or I want to avoid these types of things in the way that we conduct ourselves in marriage or in our home. And I think for all of us, what we recognize, for me and Corey, is that if, if the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. And it tells us that discipline is a part of the training process. And those that have been trained by it, it actually produces and reaps a harvest of righteousness in their life and a peace that they can live in their lives. Then we recognize that there's something that we're called to do as parents. And let me just talk for a moment to those who, maybe your kids are older. Your kids are, they're almost out of the house or they are out of the house or you're an empty nester or you've been an empty nester for a while. Let me just say to you, I recognize, and I was kind of joking about it earlier, I recognize that you may say, hey, well, this part of my life is over. I'm done with this phase. And let me just say to you, and I only can speak out of the context of my life, my parents still have influence in my life. Now, I was with a guy this past week, and he made this statement. He said, I think my influence on my kid's life ended when they went to kindergarten. I, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I think, I think when my kids went to kindergarten, like there were new influences, new people speaking in there, I think my influence ended. I was like, you're crazy. 
Now, does that mean that there aren't other new influences in their life? Yeah, sure there are. But my, my parents still have influence in my life. I called my dad just the other day and asked him a question. Say, hey, I need some wisdom in this decision that I make. I, I watch as Corey has a very strong relationship with her mom. Hey, listen, there may be seasons where you annoy each other to death. I wish my parents would just let me be an adult. Well, maybe so. Or you say, I wish my kid would just grow up. Well, maybe so. But the goal here is that we maintain a lifelong relationship and that you have the opportunity in that lifelong relationship to continue to influence one another. That your kids can still keep you young and your parents can speak into the journey that you're on because they've actually walked the road that you're walking now. And so they can say, hey, here's what I did. Try to avoid these mistakes. Or, hey, here's what I did, and I think there's wisdom in it. And, and the heart in which those words are delivered is really the way that it's going to be received. And so if there's brokenness in the relationship, if there's tension in the relationship, perhaps you don't lead with, hey, I think that's a mistake. That probably won't help, okay? But if they know you love them, if they know you want the best for them, then they'll receive it. If they don't know those things, then maybe you start just in relationship building, bridge building, finding some common ground, finding some conversation pieces where the relationship can be strengthened to the place that you begin to be able to speak into the circumstances of their lives. I found this, and I kind of created this, but I pieced it together from a variety of, influence, a variety, a variety of resources. And it would go something like this. If your kids are small, train them in unconditional love. If your kids are young, train them how to interact with others correctly. If your kids are teenagers, train them how to handle freedom and choice. If your kids are young adults, train them how to be an adult. If your kids are adults, train them how to live disciplined lives. And if your kids are parents, train them how to teach your grandchildren unconditional love. And then the circle begins again. There is a training responsibility that is given to parents that is not given to anybody else on the earth. You have the opportunity to instill in your children what it means to love God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's the way that I would say, that, say this. I asked him to put it on the screen so you could just kind of remember today. Training your child never ends. It never ends. You have the opportunity to train your children when they're very young and when they get a little older and when they move out of your house and when they maybe have kids of their own. But training up a child never ends. And so I would say to you, take your responsibility seriously. Allow God to speak wisdom out of your previous experiences into the lives of those who have not yet walked this part of the journey so that they know how to walk this journey, learning from you and learning from God's word. Know what your priorities are. Know what your core values are as a family, as parents. And instill those things in and make sure that you are living those things out. And it's not just something that you say, but it's actually something that you do because it's going to be more caught and taught. And don't be afraid to bring correction. It's not about addressing bad behavior. It's about creating future correct behavior. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment as we kind of conclude our time together today. If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I recognize that as you're talking about loving God and teaching your kids to love God, I, I'm not in a relationship with him. And, and I need him to forgive my sins and to be the Lord of my life if I'm ever going to lead my children in that way. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand? We want to pray for you. You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I, I just need you to pray for my family. 
Maybe there's circumstances that I don't even have time to get into, but like if you would just pray for my family today, and as you think about it through this week, would you pray for my family for hurts to be healed, for forgiveness to take place, for relationships to be strengthened, or, or uncertainty of tomorrow that we're walking into, that God would be with us and give us wisdom. Whatever the circumstances are, if you want us to pray for your family, would you just lift your hand? Thank you so much. So many hands. God, we love you today. We thank you for every person in this place, every family that's represented. God, I pray today that you would just respond to those who lifted their hands to say that they want you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Forgive their sins today. Lead and guide their lives from this moment forward. Change their eternity. And by doing so, God, I believe you'll change their family for generations to come. God, I pray now for every hand that was lifted asking for prayer for their family. I don't know the circumstances, but you do. God, I pray right now for every hurt to be healed. I pray, God, that today maybe we would pick up the phone and make a phone call or shoot a text. We would pick up a card and write a few words in it and sign our name and drop it in the mail. Maybe we'd send an email or a letter, whatever it looks like, but that we would continue to invest in the relationship. God, I pray that wherever we can, that we would spend time face-to-face with family members. We would hug them tight. We'd hold them longer than is probably even comfortable because we recognize the value that they have in our lives. And that, God, you would help us to live out the love story that is represented and how you create the family unit, starting with husbands and wives and children. And that, God, you would help us to tell this incredible story. Thank you for the blessing of family, and I pray that every family is a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.